Welcome to the Summit Ministries Trekking Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Morgan. And we are youth pastors at Valparaiso Nazarene Church, and we invite you to join us on the journey. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Trekking Podcast. Uh, This is Adam, and I am joined today by Morgan. Hi, guys. And Stephanie. Hello. You have the, I would say it's a pleasure, of listening to all three of the Summit Ministries staff today. And we are, this is the first of hopefully many, uh, where we will be taking time to unpack the full story uh, in this new series, this new uh, thing that we're doing throughout the uh, 2023-2024 school year, uh, going along with our theme of uh, covenant and kingdom. Uh, particularly looking at one of the ways that we can participate in the kingdom of God, which is telling our testimony, Uh, sharing our story of what God has done in our lives and how he has walked with us. And the first one that we are going to be doing in podcast form is with Stephanie. And uh, to get the ball rolling, kick things off, we thought it would be a good idea to share the answer to this question of what our first jobs were. Yeah. Get to know us a little bit better, I guess. Yeah, you can understand who we are. Yeah. Why we are the way we are. And I wonder if there's anybody listening, you know, if they already know. And this is going to be no surprise to them. Yeah. And, and what this will be. And if you do, so see to if you. you can get all three. Ooh, yeah. Once you listen and you said, hey, I got all three, then we'll give you a free something from, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Concession stand, maybe here's a what, piece of gum. Yeah. Sure. I don't know how we'll tell if they really knew it. Yeah. That's true. But that's that's neither here We're nor there. We're going to choose to trust them, maybe. We will be trusting people. So like, this is our, our first job, and we'll start. Uh, Morgan, you want to go first? Um, my first job, um, and I'm a little... So my family, my dad, he came to me when I was 14 years old, and he goes, Morgan, it's summertime. It's time for you to get a job to learn you know, the workforce and all that kind of stuff. And I was like okay this came out of nowhere and so the only place that was hiring 14 year olds because i'm pretty sure it's still child labor um was united grocery store and i was bagging groceries um i could only work a couple of like there was a certain amount of hours because i was 14 that i could work and so yeah i was bagging groceries and i only did that for one summer because it was horrible. Uh, it's not like Strack and Ventil or Town and Country that we have here. Like, you bag the groceries, you put them in the in the grocery cart, and then you walk with them out to their car and put them into their car, put the groceries into your car. And so you'd have to think up of random conversation. I don't know how many times I asked how, what do you think of this weather? Because... I was 14 years old and I had... In Texas? What do you think of this weather? Like, it's it's the same as it has been for the last hundred years. This drought. Yeah, we need some rain. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. Ooh. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so that was my first job. That's that's very cool. No, my, it's not, no, but it thanks. Cool. My first job... So unofficially, my first job was when I was 12. I Child labor. Good. Yep. I Good. didn't actually get paid for it in money. I got paid in free food and free drinks. And so there was a old style diner in normal Illinois called Nate's Diner. And Nate went to our church. And he, uh, I I have been obsessed with cooking uh, in restaurants since I was like three or four years old. And I told my dad, I was like, I'd really like to see what it's like to work in restaurants. And he's just like, well, I mean, I do know someone who owns a restaurant. So we asked him, he's like, sure, you can come by see what it's like, see what a kitchen's like. It'd be fun. 
And so I walk into the kitchen. I'm like, oh, this is this. And, and this is this. And this is super cool. And he's like, oh, you know, you know what everything is in here. You want to make a burger? And uh, I was like, yes, absolutely. My dad's there. And Nate's there. And basically, long story short, at the end of it, he's like, well, how would you feel about coming in like two to three times a week? And I can't pay you money because child labor, but you seem really <laughs> into this. How would you like to just come in for like an hour or two? Okay. And my dad was like, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. So for that whole summer, maybe, I don't know, 10 weeks of the summer, mm-hmm. I would go in two to three times and the time got longer. So eventually it was like working the entire lunch rush and everyone who went in there just thought I was a college student. I was 12 years old and they thought I was a student at how, Illinois how, State. How tall were you at 12? Uh, 5'11". Okay. No, that's not true. Any facial five, hair? Th- yet? Five nine. No, <laughs> five nine. I think it was about five nine. I was the same height as my dad. I was close to the same height as my dad. Gotcha. Yeah. And so, yeah, they thought I was a college student, or they, you were just like related to the owner. You know how yeah. there's like those kids that they work in the parents' restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think people thought I was related to him, mainly because he was a person of color. Um, gotcha. That makes sense now. Okay. Th- there, there was that, but Nate was awesome. He was, he's a. I mean, he eventually went off the rails, but he uh, he was a good guy at the time. So your your first job, you didn't even have to pay any taxes off. No, the first job I didn't do anything, and then I worked in in restaurants the rest of the time. Nice. But Stephanie, what about you? Um, my first job was uh, working at the McDonald's. My Mickey D's. Mickey D's. Um, my mom actually helped me get the job. I was 15, and she was like, Stephanie, you got to pay your way through life, so you need to get a job. And so uh, my mom at the time where she worked, the lady that had came in every day to get her glow going, because my mom worked at a tanning bed, um, she was the manager at McDonald's and my my mom had advocated for me and was like, I have a daughter, she's 15, you know, would you hire her? And she goes, well, we have to go through the necessary protocol and we have to, uh, you know, do an interview and see how mm-hmm. she was. And um, I ended up working there all through high school nice. and I became the McDonald's All-American on a Starbucks in wow. the drive through and uh, not only did I get uh, that wonderful title, but I also got to meet Mr. Root Beer. Yeah. Which I think is a great... That's a good segue. It's a good segue. Uh, it's like we planned it. Oh, wow. Uh, Mr. Root Beer, will you let us know who uh, Mr. Root Beer is? And also, I just this just occurred to me. I really hope he's okay with people knowing he was Mr. Rupert because I'm fairly certain if anybody, any students listen to it, he'll be Mr. Rupert from now on. They kn- A lot of them. Do they know that? A couple of them do. Well, I would have to say maybe uh, more of like two, three years ago, maybe more of them would know Mr. Rupert. Mm. But once you, you know, get the identification of Mr. Rupert, yeah. then that's what people start to call it, him. It's, mm. it's going to be coming back. It, and oh, that's for good. Sure. So, Stephanie... Who is Mr. Rupert? So I was working at the McDonald's and uh, working the drive-thru, like I said. And there was this gentleman at like 5 in the morning, five ten in the morning, and he would come through every time. And he would order a large root beer, ham and egg, cheese bagel, no sauce with a hash brown. You have that memorized. I How do. many times did he order this then? He ordered it pretty repetitively. <laughs> okay. And so um, I never really looked at his face. 
I was just like, here you go. <laughs> and I started to like make jokes to my employers or employees that worked there at the time. And I'd be like, oh, Mr. Root Beer's here. No sauce. Yeah. And they'd be like, okay, they knew exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's the story of Mr. Root Beer. And it was va- va- Valentine's Day. And he was the only one that I ended up, um, you know, wait, let me go back. I got I got a little disheveled. You're Sorry okay. about that. <laughs> there was movement happening here. Um, so, anyways, he came through for for Valentine's Day, and I was wishing all my customers like Happy Valentine's Day. And that was like the first time that I legitimately saw him. Like looked into his I eyes. I looked into his eyes, and I was like, "Oh, okay, no big deal." That was me. I'm so sorry. Oh, I thought that and, was Adam. Nope, that was me. So sorry. And so I legitimately like looked at him, and I was like, "Oh, Happy Valentine's Day!" And I will say it was a Thursday. I le- I worked Monday through Friday. I graduated midterm. And um, so I was working 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. So I got the morning shift. And so uh, he then came back the day after Valentine's Day, and he proceeded to tell me that his mom and I were the only two people that had wished him Happy Valentine's Day. I'm like, good for you. Have a good day. Yeah. Little did we know that Mr. Root Bear had looking into your eyes the entire time. We'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask Mr. Root Bear what he really was looking at. Okay. So, yeah, that's how uh, I met, which is now my husband, Josh. Nice. Yes. So, nice. if you didn't get that, Josh Howard is Mr. Rootbeer. Yes, Josh Josh Howard is Mr. Rootbeer. Does he I, still like root beer in the morning? No. 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 He but, just sticks to monsters. No, he doesn't drink monsters. He gave them up almost wow. like, yeah. Over, Way to go, Josh. Yeah, almost a year ago. Wow. Um, yeah, he gave those up. But um, I want to let you guys all know that it wasn't then that I allowed him to pursue me. There were a couple more occasions where mm-hmm. he did try to pursue me. And I was like, oh, stranger danger, <laughs> because that is a thing. And it was when I asked my mom's permission if I could give him my phone number mm-hmm. that uh we started talking, and after we talked the very first time, I'm a, a hopeless romantic, I came out of my bedroom after talking to him for uh, a little while, and I said, I'm going to marry this man. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, Stephanie, you're 18. Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> and uh, I just said, no, I'm going to marry this man. Now, friends, let me let you know that I never actually saw how tall Josh was. <laughs> He was always sitting in his car. So just kind of think about the first Shrek movie when the king jumps out of his boots. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because he drove a very large Chevy at the time. Josh, we still love you. (laughs) Yes. That's funny. That's funny. Good. That's a great. Short kings. It's okay. Yeah. It's all good. (laughs) He's not. He's not short. He's not short, uh, but whenever I thought about the man I was going to spend the rest of my life with, I thought he was at least going to be six foot. Now, it does say on his license, uh, driver's license, that he is six foot, but he is indeed five, nine and a half. Gotcha. How did he get his license to say that? Well, I, I'm also 135 pounds. <laughs> we know that's not true. Uh, all right. So we'll... Uh... He's like, and segueing now. Okay, so you and Mr. Rupier fell madly in love, got married, have kids, 
everything is going well, correct? It's like happy, falling in love with Jesus more and more as a couple, um, as a family, love your church family, all those different type of things. Um, But then you started feeling off, right? I did. I started to feel off and um, I had very similar symptoms to those who are pregnant and what I experienced during my pregnancies. I uh, I ended up gaining like 30 pounds and I ended up um, getting really bad headaches that mm-hmm. then turned to migraines, which then turned to nausea and tastes and smells. And um, I ended up having optic migraines and uh, blurriness. And it just kind of was unsettling. And I had went to the doctor and they kind of attributed it to I had, you know, my kids at a young age and I had them within a five-year time span and I had, you know, nursed all of my children. And so they kind of leaned into it was a hormonal kind of Mm. imbalance and my body was balancing itself back out. And they didn't really have a strong indication of why these symptoms, you know, were happening at that time. And they did the the typical, you know, um, health checks, blood work, mm-hmm. uh, screenings and everything like that. And everything came back normal. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so I remember we, we've read your book, which is amazing. You guys should read it. But you were like, this was not just like a oh, guys, sorry, I have a headache or I'm a little dizzy here and there. Like you were on vacation at Disney, right? In your book, it says you're at Disney or in Florida on this family vacation. And you're like having to excuse yourself because yeah. you're not able to participate in things like that. So that was um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit. I, whenever I went through my first like panel with all my doctors, mm-hmm. it was two years roughly prior before I had, like I said, roughly, um, I had went to um, the doctor before I left. I was having ringing in my ears constantly for like eight to 10 months. The migraines were getting worse. I was having more sensitivities. I was having... Like everything had impacted. Um, I was having unstable situations like with physically I could no longer hold violet at this time Mm. um, without sitting down. I um, I had a couple incidents of like stuttering Mm. and, you know, maybe that happens for people, but it was kind of rare. And then I also had like a dilation of my eyes situation. And I was like, you know what? There is just something not right going on. And so um I had went to the doctor and I was like, hey, I'm back. This mm-hmm. is a situation. I'm having these symptoms, the, these symptoms again. They have magnified. And, you know, we, we kind of need to find out what's going on. And so he had then said, um, I want you to schedule another eye doctor appointment for your you know, migraines that you're having and your vision changes that you've experienced. And, uh, you know, right now I see that you have a sinus infection. Mm-hmm. So when you get back, I would like to do um, have you do your antibiotics and then we'll do blood work and everything when you get back from this trip. And I was mm-hmm. like, OK, that sounds good. And so I was in, um, as I like to say, it was my my last hurrah before the big excitement and mm-hmm. kind of life altering situation happened. Uh, we had a wonderful time. I ended up uh, at that point, I was sleeping a lot mm. and everything. And so when we were on vacation, I I slept a lot, but I was also able to 
go to Disney and do the pretty princesses with the girls yeah. and, you know, eat good food and everything. But mm-hmm. I was crashed and burned at the end yeah. of the day and stuff. So we had went on our trip and I came back and coincidentally, it was Friday the 13th. I went to my eye doctor and I was like, hi, Dr. Carlson, how are you? You know, I'm back again and I'm my vision has changed quite a bit again. And I'm having these these situations with my eyes where they just like everything goes staticky like mm-hmm. a TV. And he said, okay. And so then um, let we'll check that out. We'll do the, the typical screening for your eyes and, and we'll try to get down to the bottom of it. And so as I'm sitting there in the chair, you just kind of see his demeanor change. Yeah. And he's like, you know what, Stephanie, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go get my associate. And I was like, whoa, Stephanie might have cataracts. Yeah. yeah. And I don't really know when cataracts take place or how it all (laughs) works and stuff. And he had then said, um, when they both came back in, you know, Dr. Buck is going to take a look at you and we're going to look a little bit deeper. And so I was like, okay, you know, I guess they do this when you have cataracts. And uh, he looked further and they said, you know what, Stephanie, we're going to have you do this screening of your peripheral vision. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Okay, let's just go through the process. And so after doing that screening, they had came back and they said, Stephanie, we need you to get an MRI Monday. I was Mm. like, oh, okay." Still not knowing what takes with cataracts. I'm Mm -hmm. like, "Okay, get it. Get an MRI on Friday. And he goes, we need you to get this as soon as possible. And I was like okay, I'll, I'll get it done. You know, yeah. I said, I'm going in to go get blood work on Monday for my general practitioner. And so no problem. Mm-hmm. So we had Violet's birthday that weekend. Her birthday is on the 15th. And uh, we got to celebrate. And Josh and I kind of got to talk about what the doctor had said. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, Stephanie, what do you think it is? And I said, well, <laughs> it's a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Stephanie, that's that's not funny. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's just a brain tumor. I've been saying it every time I got a migraine. And he's yeah. like, Stephanie, like, it's mm-hmm. not funny. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I then went in that Monday and uh, got my blood work and got my MRI. And a couple hours had went by and Dr. Carlson had called me and he says, we need you to get in immediately. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to get in as soon as I can. He goes, you need to call Josh. You need to let him know mm. uh, what's going on. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. And um, I just had this piece about what was to be said. And typically I do a lot of things with Josh being with me. Mm-hmm. And once I arrived at the office, I just said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and go into Dr. Carlson's office and allow him to talk to me by myself. And so I sat down in the chair and he's like, Stephanie, I just want to let you know that we found something. Uh, we we found a very large mass. And he never used the word tumor in this conversation. And he says, you need to get seen as soon as possible. We had called your general physician. We had let him know the situation. And he had scheduled an appointment with a doctor for tomorrow. There's urgency mm. to this. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, that sounds good. And, you know, not just curious, how large is this mass? Yeah. And I'm like, is it the size of a golf ball? And he's like, nope. And I said, is it the size of a baseball? And he's like, nope. 
I said, okay, is it the size of a softball? And at the time, all three of my girls were playing softball at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was a little resentful, I'm not going to lie, because softball was taking up so much time and so Mm -hmm. much energy. And if anyone has ever played travel sport, it's a high demand. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, of course, it's the size of a softball. And so he said, you know, Stephanie, I would greatly appreciate if you could go do one other scan for us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So as I was doing that scan is when Josh came in and the doctors had delivered the news to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a little earlier, Morgan, you mentioned that, Stephanie, you wrote a book. Um, what was that book called? Live what life, is that book called? Live Life, Be Strong with God. And this book chronicles kind of your thoughts and your experience through this whole time that, that we're talking about uh, now. And in it, you talk about this experience in depth and, and what went through your, through your head. And it is um, exhilarating to read. Um, but one of the things you said is that when you receive this, and also everyone who knows you knows that you are an extremely joyful, bubbly, smiling person at all times. And if she's not smiling, call 911. Um, but you said that you're sitting with the doctor and smiling while he says you have a baseball, to, uh, sorry, softball sized mass tumor in your head and then you said i felt the love and peace and mercy that god wanted for me to feel during this time of receiving unfortunate news and i replied with a smile and said okay i have to ask you how on earth could you receive news like that and smile so for me i believe god was preparing me um because at that time, I had such wonderful people speaking into my life, as well as me growing in the Bible to hear the significant stories of how God uses people for his glory. And he doesn't just choose anybody. He chooses the chosen, the one that it's meant to be. And so at that time, I also um, was introduced from my brother-in-law Christian music. And it just repeated over and over just words of affirmation of just, you know, when you're weak, he will make you strong and he will prepare you. Just all these different artists that were just magnificent in my growth Mm -hmm. that I was comfortable with that choice because I also was hearing the Holy Spirit whenever I was having my migraines. Mm -hmm sarcasm is my best tool that I'd be like, Hey girls, you gotta be quiet. Mama has a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And that's not really nice for those who are experiencing it. But I believe in some sense that that was God, you know, kind of preparing me for this news for what he had planned for me. Gotcha. So it wasn't just that you are a very smiley person, but it was the presence of of our God and Father, 100%. who had been with you for a while, absolutely, and who 100%. had been been giving you a peace that is beyond any kind of understanding. One hundred percent. Wow. And so, when you get this news, 
that there is that you get this news that there is a softball sized brain tumor or a tumor in your in your head. What what happens next? So what happens next is I go see the doctor that my general practitioner had sent me to, which he was a horrible man. Mm. He had uh, looked at Josh and I and he said, I won't do the surgery. It's uh, it's you know, it's the fact that she hasn't had a stroke or seizures or, you know, uh, disabilities by any means is is unfavorable. We I don't understand that, but I won't be doing this surgery. And if she makes it out, big if Mm -hmm. she will be a vegetable Mm -hmm. and, you know, ADA compliant, constant, uh, you know, care. She won't be able to take care of the kids, uh, walk, talk, X, Y, Z. He wasn't giving you any hope whatsoever. No hope whatsoever. And so it was uh, something that very much had shaken Josh. Um, He was very disturbed. Uh, He wanted answers. He wanted results. He wanted help. Mm -hmm. Could you give us references? And he's like, no, I can't. And so uh, as he, the doctor had walked out of the room, Josh feeling hopeless and devastated because now he has announced you have a softball-sized brain tumor that is wrapped around her pituitary gland and her carotid artery, and it is affecting so much more mm-hmm. than the inevitable. And her timeline is two weeks. She will pass away within the next two weeks. This is a, you know, it's oh. inevitable. Oh, my goodness. And so there was a gentleman, the nurse. He's not – I mean, I wish I knew his name. Praise God for him. He had came in, and he was in the room whenever the doctor was delivering the news, and he came with three different referrals and phone numbers. There was Mayo, there was um, Northwestern, and there was Rush. Mm-hmm. And Josh is still beside himself, I believe – in my own words, he felt some relief, like I have places to call now. Because yeah. you gotta remember, I went in the day before and the next day I was at this doctor's office and him saying, yeah. This is a life threatening brain tumor. So the processing for Josh wasn't the same as it was for me. I was looking at it like, okay, God's using me. Like he thinks that I am worthy of this and he's going to use me for his glory. Mm. So uh, we then went home and uh, actually uh, Josh got on the phone and started calling all these different hospitals and they were all within a week out. So if you're doing the math, now mm-hmm. I have, you know, this this short time frame before something's going to take over mm-hmm. and change his life and our girls' life abruptly. And so it was the blessing of a friend um, that called her uh, oncologist and let him know what was going on. And he was able to get me in at Rush University. And I was able to see the doctor within two or three days. And then uh, within that time frame, then Northwestern called and I was able to get with that doctor. Okay. And Josh and I kind of had that discussion. What are you wanting out of this experience? Mm. And I said, I just, I'll know he's the doctor whenever I feel warm and fuzzy. And he's like, what? That's so stupid. (laughs) Like, this is not. Stephanie, I need you to. When will you know? Yeah. We we need you to have a little bit more like credentials and knowledge and information behind this. Not 
when he makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. That was unacceptable for Josh. And so we then had went to the doctor's appointment and his name was Dr. Burns and he was confident and arrogant, but comforting. And he, uh, I asked him the question, Josh asked all the, you know, the do's and the don'ts and everything. And, uh, he then, uh, I said, well, I have a question for you. I said, uh, what do you think of this other doctor in Northwestern? Mm -hmm. And he was humble and honest. And he said, if you go with either one of us, Mm-hmm. You you will have a good life mm. and all will be well mm-hmm. and everything. And you might have some um, some changes, but you also have to understand that brain surgery is based not on days or weeks or months. It's based on years. Yeah. So you will be going through processes of recovery, but you will recover from this. Yeah. So it gave Josh hope. Yeah. But you also have to remember going into this, this is an extremely dangerous surgery. Yeah. Not only because of the size of the brain tumor, but just having the pituitary gland and the carotid arteries and all the little fingers that it had created to get this brain tumor out in the first place. Yeah. Mm. So. And so we, so now timeline wise, we're within the week of. The initial of, of the MRI of like you have a mass and then you've visited the doctors and all those, uh, you know, those steps. So now you've now scheduled surgery, correct? Like yes. the next thing is surgery. Yep. Take us through like the the prep that it needs to happen, like leading up to the surgery and what you were feeling, not like not as just the patient, but also as a mom and a wife, those things um, and a, a daughter Um what was kind of that process leading up to the surgery? I mean, because, I mean, like you said, it was a huge surgery that you were about to partake in. Um, kind of what was what was the, the next couple of days looking like for you? So. And how, and, and also want to put, like, and how, again, was your faith, like, an integral part of how you handled it? Well, my faith was strong. Yeah. My faith was unrecognizable by my family members, my friends, you know, people that, you know, once they heard about it, they just were like devastated and they just started to question Mm -hmm. God. And I was like, why would we question God? Mm -hmm. Like he has chosen me. Like Mm -hmm. this is a victorious event. Mm -hmm. And, um, but leading up, you know, not only that, but leading up to it, I had 10 days um, to make everyone aware within my family to what was going on and make preparations at the house and cleaning and with the girls' schools, making them aware. So it was a lot of informative situations, but as, as well, my spirits were were up. I was fine. I did not want any negative juju. I did not want any internet statistics or what I read or what Jenny or Bob went through. I wanted my story, my journey Mm -hmm. with God. And so we had, uh, we had to cut my hair. (laughs) Um, I I had relatively long hair. And so uh, Josh and I made it an event where uh, the, my hairstylist at the time had did the initial cut of my hair, but then Josh had buzzed my hair. So I was bald. I was a bald baby. And then several family members also shaved their head in honor of me. So it was, you know, super sweet. Um, And (laughs) 
I feel bad, but some people uh, even got burnt <laughs> because they didn't realize oh. that when you're that, you know, bald, you're going to burn in the sun. So oh, no. that's on them, <laughs> not me. But um, and then we had dinners and uh, my church at the time, they had did a laying of the hands mm-hmm. and they did like a care dinner where they bought me pajamas and set up nice, you know, meal plan and prep because with brain surgery, like I said, you don't know what your recovery is. And I got to spend time with my girls. And um, I was in great spirits. I didn't cry. I wasn't upset. Like God just held me up by the bootstraps and Mm -hmm. just kept feeding love into me. Like Mm -hmm. you got this, you, you know, this is this, you have led a, a great life. And your purpose is this. And I just I didn't have any negative emotions through this experience. And it was the day before surgery. I whipped out those pictures. Mm -hmm. And I love my pictures. And I had looked at the last 10 years of being married and having the girls. And Mm -hmm. that's the only time I cried. Yeah. Because then I thought about their weddings Mm -hmm. and them having babies and everything. And that's Mm -hmm. where it really hurt me. But I knew it was God's plan. Like, I knew I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But it just got me emotional, you Uh, know. Yeah, of course. Because... It was the unknown. I didn't know what was going to happen, mm-hmm. but I knew it was going to be for God and God's glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and on that, we we as a youth group, we talked this summer about the ways that we see God. And we just want to want to clarify real quick, based on a conversation we had literally just right before we, we, we did this, when we say that God chose you. It wasn't that God chose an evil to happen to you, but you have said multiple times that God had chosen you and God, it was really that God was just with you. You know, you talked about the way that you were able to smile when you get a diagnosis because the, your heavenly father through his Holy spirit had been with you and preparing you and giving you peace. And when you're going through this in your book, multiple times, I I, I honestly, I should have started counting because it was just so many times you make an emphasis for it to be known that it wasn't that it was just you doing something. God was going to be with you and God was going to show his glory through this. And in, 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 in I don't know, I, w- I was just so inspired when I read this part, um, as you've been talking about you in, in this lead up to going to the surgery, you have these wonderful people who, who love Jesus, love you. And then you go to the surgery. This is the morning of the surgery where you're about to have a procedure that could alter your life in uh, significant ways. And and there's the possibility that something could go wrong. And, and I know how much anxiety would fill me. And yet when you get to the hospital, you talk about you had to wait that morning. Um Could you talk a little bit about what happened? Why did you have to wait? So there was a horrible car accident that had happened, and the doctor had to perform a surgery. I presume something within the brain, the neck, within that, you know, areas. And um, 
I I was comforted. I was fine. It was, hey, someone else needs to get here to to pray over me, to see me, to be with the other people that were in the waiting room. Um, I had roughly about 27 people in the waiting room mm. just praying for me, for Josh, for the girls, for the well-being, for the doctors and the nurses. And um, I just, I went in saying, whatever God's plan is, it will be for his glory mm-hmm. and his glory alone. And so yeah. the patience that you, you mentioned in the book, you know, you know, God was needed to have patience, which in the book, you don't mention that the doctor said, like, you only have two weeks to live, like, or before things go down, which for sitting and listening to this, I'm like, Hold up, what? Um, like that gives it a totally like a new perspective for me because you're told you you're basically even though that doctor was somebody that you know frustrated you guys and didn't fill you enough with hope, but still planted those those thoughts or planted that timeline kind of in your head. Um, the whole patience thing was even more; it's yeah. even bigger because you're like, okay, I need to get this thing Absolutely. out. But I am, it's okay, patience, because this other person needs, you know, needs that time. Um, yep. For me, it just makes it even more significant of your your attitude towards it um, yep. and, and the graciousness and the love and the compassion that you were showing for that stranger because you, like, literally had not a ticking time bomb, but so, sort of, right? Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, that needed to come out. So. Absolutely. And, and and it just makes me think of, as we've been talking about covenant and kingdom and the kingdom part being about our response and our, our life with as a citizen of the kingdom of God, the, the love that we have for others in Christ, I think um, it, it's self-emptying and self-giving, right? And you really showed that in this moment of waiting when you have, you're about to have a brain surgery to remove a softball-sized mass out of your head that if it doesn't come out will kill you and the morning of the surgery after you've waited enough you said this person the one who had been in the car accident whoever she he or she was was one of god's creation and needed help immediately and i was happy i could help in a small way by having patience and uh man that is just i just think that I had so much comfort mm. because I never had the seizures. I never had the strokes. Mm. I never had any of the what ifs mm. that was supposedly could have happened. Mm-hmm. I never had that. Mm-hmm. So it was all on God's time frame as it was. And if this presumed to happen, it was meant to be. And I needed to continue to have patience and have faith that it was in God's control. Yeah. Yeah. And that it what in God's sovereignty what he was doing was holding all things together. Absolutely. And, and it, it wasn't that he was controlling every he 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 put a brain tumor in Stephanie's head and then he had a doctor who was really mean and then he made a crash happen. It was these horrible things happened and the God of the universe was with us. Absolutely. Was with you in the in the in the room and the you, you talk about again and again, like, like I've already said that God was going to show something incredible. And you, you said, uh, here's a little secret uh, about all the people you see, whether it's your neighbor, your spouse, your coworker, or the person sitting right next to you right now. Given no one's life is perfect, we all need help 
or hope and healing. We share with others the hope and healing that we, were found, that, that we found in Christ. We need to remind ourselves and others that we need to wait and see what God has in store for our future. And it's just amazing to me that you, you said that in the middle of a book and in the book, you were on a bed waiting to have this operation. That, and that is. Yeah. And this, it wasn't just a, a small operation. Like it was a huge one. It was, it was 13 hours according to your book. Right. Yeah. Um, can you like, I know you don't know what happened out there, but people have told you in the waiting room and all that kind of stuff. What was, and then maybe even, maybe people have told you what was happening in the operating room as well, because that's, a, you know, part of that story. Um, and then it also coming out of that, all that, that happened. Could you just kind of walk us through those little bits as much as you can share? <laughs> so, um, I wanted to make sure that my, my prayer warriors that were there were well-fed, Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that they were entertained. Mm-hmm. So I had prepared a cooler of snacks for all of my prayer warriors. Mm-hmm. And I had pray, uh, I had pre- also prepared a, um, a journey of prayer over me, but words of wisdom. And I put my sister-in-law, Kendra, in charge of it. And I wanted just anyone that was willing to speak life into me, to do that through this notebook and that I would go back to it in a time of maybe uh, unsureness or guidance that mm-hmm. these words of wisdom that they had placed in this notebook would would help me. And so uh, it was it was one that was extremely hard mm-hmm. for everyone who was out there and praying for me. I was kind of numb to what it was like to be the mom to be the husband, to be the friend, the sister. I was absent-minded to what they were experiencing mm. because I needed to continue to be strong for what God had planned for me that I did not allow myself to put myself in their shoes during that time. Um, I asked for no tears. I asked for no sadness and my sister-in-law, Kendra, made sure that none of that negative juju was happening um, just because at that time I was very affirmed that this is God and I's journey. This isn't someone else's journey and what they had experienced. Mm. So if I could have control over it, I don't want your negative thoughts. And um, it was touch and go throughout the surgery. It was extremely detrimental to Josh. Uh, he would get updates that things were okay, and okay is just not enough when your wife is having surgery. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom was actually rather upset mm. that all these people from my church were there, and she felt like they were enclosing on her daughter. Mm. And uh, it all came into fruition of what God was doing with her heart, breaking it down and showing her that other people love Stephanie mm. and that she has made an imprint on them. But that will come in when I talk about another part. <laughs> yeah. So um, after uh, my my surgery and everything, the doctor had came and brought Josh to a room and 
emotional exhaustion was amongst him and words were extremely slow and uh, just anticipating what the next thing was going to be. He said it was touch and go. You know, things, it was, it was a hard surgery. We, we, she pulled through, she was strong. And of course the next 72 hours are the most crucial. Yeah. And so he then, uh, was like, Phew, well, that's good. I'm glad the touch and go worked out and everything. And he probably has his own words to that, but I'll let him speak for that himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I then got back to my room And uh, I was kind of, you know, for the first couple of hours. And I wanted was my um, AirPods at the time because I wanted to listen to my Christian music and my favorite, you know, my playlist at the time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that. But my hearing was just so magnified Mm. that it made me nauseous to hear music that loud. And uh, so I ended up taking that away. But Josh had came in and he's like, Stephanie, how are you? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm nauseous, you know, and, um, mind you, I'm oblivious to what I look like, yeah. which I'm sure that that was extremely scary for him yeah. to see and family members to see and everything. But I said, well, did you have the chicken salad with the grapes? And, uh, he was like, what? what did you ask me? And I said, do you remember the chicken salad that I told you to have that we had yesterday? Did you eat that today? And he's like, (laughs) he didn't know what to say. He was like beside himself. Like what? And then um, after he had came in, I had uh, my siblings come in and Josh's parents and my parents came in. And I'm sure that that was a horrible scene to see, but the blessing of not having the mirror back to me, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I looked like. Yeah. But they also heard she has 72 hours, the most crucial. And so it was the next morning, um, maybe like 12-ish hours after the surgery, I was ready and rearing to go. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Oh, right. oh, wait, wait, wait. She said rearing. Um, that makes me go back to another part of your book. You, you came out of surgery with, with a rare accent. Oh no, that's the second surgery. That's the second that's surgery. The second oh, okay. sur- I came oh. out with a Southern accent. Don't second get surgery. out of yourself. Sorry. We'll get Sorry. There. Yes. <laughs> My bad. I hopped onto it too quick. God, you were excited. <laughs> I was. You from Texas. Oh, uh, southern accent. Yeah. But 12 hours. So it went. You, you had your recovery and you pretty much knocked it out of the park. I knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And I was up and ready to go. And I did have some changes. Like I mentioned earlier, my hearing, everything was magnified. My smell, everything was magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, my taste changed. I didn't really know that right away. Um, it took about a day or two, but everything that was like salty or sweet tasted different like mm-hmm. everything was reset and different after i yeah. had surgery but i was ready to get out of the bed and go to the bathroom by myself and mm-hmm. they were like i don't know if you know this but you're on a uh, 24-hour watch and you got to stay in that bed and i'm yeah. like i just want to go to the bathroom <laughs> oh, by myself please oh wow and so th- 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 there's a lot of like a lot of joy from that just like i'm 24 hours they're having to keep you in bed because you're going it's it's better than you thought it would be um or at least in your experience well everyone was like 
like struck by it. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm sorry, what? You're talking, you're you're wanting things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not really one to like not talk, but I really had a lot to say <laughs> <laughs> and stuff. All good and great. But right. they were like, I just, I thought it was going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Can't keep Stephanie down. Now with right. Jesus on her that side. That is right. Jesus on her side can't can do anything. Um, and so, okay, so you have this first surgery come out on the other side, really doing pretty good, right? Blowing away expectations. This is fan- phenomenal. And then you start the journey of recovery. And and how long was it before things took a turn that was not the one that you had hoped for? The unexpected. The unexpected. Um. So. I was out of the hospital within four days. My goal was always, I want to get home to my babies. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't want my girls. Um, they were nine, seven, and four at the time. I am somewhat of a germaphobe, so I did not want them at the hospital. So mm-hmm. and the only way I was going to see them is if I got home. But as well, God equipped the situation, my body, my test results, everything, to where I can get home in four days. Mm-hmm. So I was home. Uh, oh, I think it was like roughly about four or five days. I've kind of lost track a little bit, and uh, totally understandable. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's been thirteen years. Um, and I was really up and rearing to go. The medication that they had had me on is I was under the illusion that I was sleeping hours whenever I was just sleeping five minutes. Oh wow! And um, so I had been mentally and physically kind of going nonstop whenever you should be resting and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, the medication that they had me on had me wired and everything. And so we were, we were into the recovery phase and I just took a plummet. Um, I started to feel sick and nauseous and sweaty, (laughs) like Adam. Mm, I knew it was going to happen. We love you, Adam. I know. And so um, at the time, I had uh, around-the-clock care by church members and family members, and um, they had went home, and Josh had uh, was under the impression he could just kind of stay up and be okay um, at night, and he ended up uh, he ended up going to sleep on the chair. And I was in the bedroom and I was very adamant about taking my medication. Like I was very like, okay, two o'clock I take my medication and this time I take my medication. Mm -hmm. And so I was setting alarms and I had uh, woke up in a puddle of just discharge and fluids and blood on my pillow. Oh my gosh. And I don't know if you guys know this about Josh, but he's a hard sleeper. And so I had to walk from our bedroom to the chair in the living room. He had been in the living room for whatever reason mind you he's exhausted from just doing the day-to-day of taking care of the kids to going to work to having the conversation with anyone who was caregiving me and you know just emotionally exhausted from the experience all in itself and so by god's grace i was able to make it to him uh to wake him up and say there's something wrong and at that time, he had taken my fee, uh, my te- my temperature, and it was like 104. He got on the phone, called the doctor. The doctor said, "What, you know, what I should do?" And so we immediately had uh, my mother and father in law come, as well as my sister in law come, and take me to Rush. Mm. And uh, once going through um, 
the emergency room. They then took me upstairs and they let me know that I was going to be on antibiotics for roughly two to three days because they had to get the infection down. I had sepsis of Mm. some form and it was because of being open for 13 hours and the recovery process of things. It happens. And it was in that moment that I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm bummed I'm back here, but you know, it's, it's okay. And I ended up um, having surgery roughly about two or three days after that. Mm. And after I had that surgery, they, or they did the surgery primarily to just, as the doctor said, he, he knows I use simple words, power wash the brain. Gotcha. And so he power washed the brain. It's a great visual, though. Yeah, it it totally makes it. He had to just clean out all that infection and do the antibiotics and all the good stuff all Mm -hmm. over again. And I had came out, uh, as we had mentioned earlier, with a Southern accent. (laughs) And I was like, when y'all going to take me up to my room? I need to see my, my family. And it was why I was in surgery. My mom got saved. Oh, wow. She asked God into her heart. Mm Mm-hmm. And she just had such a gratitude and appreciation for those who were a part of my life. She then had a clarity of why those people were in the waiting room whenever I was having that initial surgery. And she has been growing in her faith since. Yeah. It wasn't like wow, praise the Lord. A, a state of mind, like I'm going to do this. It was the gratitude and appreciation and has started her journey with God. Wow. That's awesome. And so... So with that, one of the um, one of the things you said in the book was that sometimes when remarkable gifts or blessing um, are right before your eyes, you find it hard to believe them with your heart. But I believe that God wanted to show all the people involved what he can do and what he will do for his children. And maybe for your mom, it was what he can do for his children and for her children. Absolutely. And so through this really just kind of, I mean, horrible. No one wanted you to get a brain tumor. No one wanted you to have to go to to surgery the first time, let alone a second time, and then eventually a third time. And yet God moved in powerful ways in your mom's life. Absolutely. And that is just, I mean, that's amazing. You know, we talked about from the beginning, you've talked about multiple times and we've emphasized it, that you were dead set that God was going to do something. Absolutely. God was going to do something powerful, and he did. Mm-hmm. He was faithful. He was faithful to you, and he was faithful to her. And you know, when we talk about the power of testimony, it's not just like looking back. Like it's in the moment. Like There were people who were experiencing this story for themselves and experiencing it like you were experiencing it. And so what was it like for you to get out of, out of, out of surgery the second time and be told, well, actually, who told you? Was it your mom that told you that she had come to know Jesus? Or do you remember? I, I believe it was my mom Um, during that time. I believe it was my mom that, that told me that she got saved and that she had came to a place of peace and understanding of, you know, people's presence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, And as well, I believe that anyone that was there, those moments and those times also were speaking into my mom's, Mm -hmm. you know, life by being present and being acknowledgeable and talking about how they got on the prayer chain Mm. and they, people were praying for me all across the country. Yeah. Um, 
and friends were telling friends and I can't control what people say, but they were saying this, this woman needs prayer Mm -hmm. and that prayer was being met. Now, whatever God had planned with that was, was a part of it, but something amazing happened. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have this wonderful working of God where he's working in your life and he's, you know, with the doctors, he's in the operating room. Absolutely. And as it comes to turn out, he's in the waiting room as well. Absolutely. With, with your mother yeah, and uh, with your husband, with your children. And he, he was, he, he had his hands on the whole thing. And I know that we could talk about this incredible story for hours. Um, but I want to ask you something uh, towards the, the, well, I'll just say, I'll just put it this way. Since I have, known you. Uh, I've seen it on your Facebook, your Instagram, in the book, you've said it in person. It has become what I have, have come to understand as a catchphrase, which is praise me some Jesus. And, you know, a lot of people throw out, and, and I'll be honest, I, I can be guilty of this myself, of just throwing out praise God for anything. But it, it, it's an it's an important thing that we say, like, praise God, you know, it really, this the, he deserves the glory. But how did praise me some Jesus said like that become such a big part of who you are? So <laughs> I'm somewhat, um, to those who don't um, understand me, have realistic visions of things that could potentially happen. And it was after... Um, I believe it was after my second surgery, I said, you know what? God wants me to go on the Tyra Banks show and tell my story. Now, mind you, I just loved her. Didn't know really anything about her, but I was like, you know what? God wants me to go and just praise me some Jesus and just share my story. Because at that time, there was just so much anger and negativity and bad juju that the world was experiencing at that time. We were coming out of, you know, this deep depression and our economy had Mm -hmm. dropped and, you know, so many negative things were happening that I needed to go praise me some Jesus in front of everybody and I was going to do it on the Tyra Banks show. (laughs) Well, that didn't happen, but... (laughs) You still been praising me some Jesus. I've still been saying that That is, you know, that is just praise me some Jesus, because I just feel like outwardly, until you reach that certain place in your maturity, we kind of tuck them away Mm. and we do it amongst certain people. Mm -hmm. We do it around those who are also believers. But Mm -hmm. if you say that around people as you know, the average thank you, mm-hmm. they accept it. So praise me some Jesus has became my thing. Um, I took it to the softball field, to the way that I talk to people about great things in their life. And it just came part of my vocabulary. And when something good happens, praise me some Jesus or praise us some Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. No matter who you're talking to or no. what, who you're around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was my that was my comfort way of... Of saying it. Of, of shamelessly giving praise to God. Absolutely. Um, well, Stephanie, there's this, this one last one last quote from, from the book that I just thought was really incredible. And I think that a lot of people, no, everyone, uh, could really 
could hear and, and, and we could, we could all benefit in our walk with Jesus if we, if we took this a little bit more seriously and if we understood this. And it's when you said trusting Jesus means allowing him to do for you what you cannot do yourself. And when you went through this time, you, your family, your friends went through this time of uncertainty where there is a softball sized mass in your brain. And really there's not much anyone can do. And so when you are left with no other options, but to trust Jesus and you do so like you modeled so incredibly well, I think it's fair to say that you can do nothing but trust. Um, and when you do, when you trust, I think it's, it's fair to say from your story, you got a lot of peace. Absolutely. And I think it's also probably in, I'm, I'm maybe putting words, words in your mouth, but, uh, it probably wasn't too easy to trust for everyone, but there was peace. Um, is that, is that fair to say? I trusted God's plan, but I definitely would say that other people's trust in what God's plan was, was very shaken. Mm. They were definitely faced with a, I sincerely have to physically and spiritually trust God's plan and not my own. Because if I get to choose the plan, everything's fine. Yeah, it doesn't involve this. It doesn't involve what could be the unknown. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's, I mean that's just so true. And when when we're going to trust Jesus, we have to know that He is the God who holds all things together Absolutely. and redeems things for His good. And we may not understand, we may not, we may never get to get a a, a peek into what He was doing. Um, but at least it, it, for you, there was a little peek because uh, I, it is fair to say that a lot of people have heard about what God has done through your story. And as we've talked about covenant and kingdom and and sharing our testimony, people have seen Jesus because you have been bold enough to proclaim who Jesus is and your story about him that have shown other people, you know, that we, we are loved by a good God who is gracious and good to us. And in the face of something that is horrible, like a brain tumor. He is still good and he holds all things together. Um, and so Stephanie, thank you very much, um, for sharing this with Mm -hmm. us and allowing us to, to ask you questions. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we can't wait to see how God continues to, to move, uh, in, in your life and and in our lives. Thank you. Together (laughs) as we walk together. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye.